0: This is Sunday Ozarks at Large. I'm Kyle Kellums. With me is Heim Goodman Strauss. Good morning, Kyle. Good morning, Heim. Heim is a math professor at the University of Arkansas. Well, I'm so excited.
1: <laughs> I can't hold it in. We are going to announce the winner of the million dollar contest today. We were sent what is undoubtedly the largest number ever used for any practical purpose. Now, it wasn't sent in by its creator. But uh, we'll have a little interview with him in just a moment.
0: And the winner receives the million dollars divided by this number. Yeah. Which, which means this person now owes us a lot of money. <laughs> no, it's it's yeah, essentially zero. We right. don't have to worry okay. about that. Well, well what, what's what's the use of the – because you said it was the largest practical? Largest number, number used for right. any practical use. What was the use? Uh, to, to get us a, to
1: Mars? No, to win a biggest number contest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it just so happens – and I have the flyer here – that there was a large number championship at uh, MIT uh, in January featuring, it says, two competitors, one chalkboard, largest integer wins. Your defending <laughs> MIT champion, uh, Augustin, the Mexican multiplier, plural power, Raygun Rayo. <laughs> and the challenger, Adam, the Mad Bayesian, Dr. Evil, Elgfinity, Finity, Elga.
0: Here's Rayo on the phone. And it only took like 10 digits to get hold of him. (laughs) (laughs) What was this contest?
2: Well, uh, it was an effort to get undergraduates interested in philosophy and in ways in which philosophy and math can interact. So uh, we wanted to get people familiar with notions like computability and the hierarchy of infinite ordinals. And eventually, to learn about uh, second-order logic, which is this incredibly powerful philosophical tool.
0: So th- those are pretty, um, you know, high orders to okay. to, to get into a, a spectator sport, more or less. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it had to be lightning fast, uh, and I mean, we we weren't hoping for any depth in uh, the exposition, but. Uh, I, I think uh, we, we were able to highlight some of the things that make these notions cool.
1: And so what was the format of the, uh, of the thing?
2: Uh, well, it was like a wrestling match. <laughs> so we uh, got a graduate student to um, play the role of a referee. And uh, there was uh, in the blue corner, in the red corner kind of thing. Uh, and we were to take turns writing down numbers.
1: Did you all dress up in costumes or anything?
2: (laughs) My girlfriend was uh, pressuring me to do so, but (laughs) in in the end we resisted. I did wear the MIT colors, Ah. uh, because uh, I was the MIT person, and uh, my challenger, Adam, was the Princeton person. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no, we didn't dress up. Uh, So we would uh, take turns writing numbers, and the thought is that we had to write a number bigger than the one that had been written down before and give some kind of uh, proof that it was, in fact, bigger. Mm -hmm. And then we didn't really respect this at first, but there was uh, meant to be a gentleman's agreement to the effect that you couldn't just write down the previous number plus one.
1: That's a little cheap.
2: Yeah, (laughs) that would be a little cheap. So the idea was you had to write a number which was, so much bigger that in practice it couldn't be reached using any of the methods that had been introduced before.
1: So y'all started
2: with one, right? So we started with one. I wrote down a one. It's uh-huh. uh, a good start. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I think I could do better. <laughs> 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 That's right. That's right. And then uh, the next thing that happened is uh, Adam started writing down nines, as many nines as he could. And then I countered uh, writing as many ones as I could, uh, which oh. is more efficient notation. So you can uh, fit more on the board. Uh, and you can write them faster. Oh. Uh, That's sneaky. <laughs> but then Adam countered with what, what, what I thought was one of the coolest things in the game. So I, I had a long row of ones, and he came to my side of the board with an eraser. <laughs> <laughs> Erase the lines so I'm turning them all into factorials. Well, <laughs> all except for the first two. Uh, <laughs> all right, one factorial uh, wouldn't
1: right. be that interesting. <laughs> that's right. That's so right. it was 11 with a board full of factorials.
2: That's right. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, that gave me pause. And after that, it started getting uh, bigger and bigger, so we started using uh, sort of exponentiation and iterations of that. Mm-hmm. And then Finally what happened is we started talking about the busy beaver function
1: and oh, yeah. So we haven't talked about that on the show. We'll have to get around to all that. So maybe... Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah, we I can't believe to... in 17 years of the show I haven't talked about the busy
1: beaver function <laughs> <Yeah>. yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to... But try to give us a sense of what that is.
2: Okay, yeah. So suppose uh, you have a fixed programming language, say BASIC. Mm-hmm. Then... There's this uh, notion, which is uh, the productivity of a program. And that's uh, just if you set the program running with no input, how long a string of, say, ones it's able to produce. And it's important that the string of ones be finite. So the program has to terminate, and it has to terminate with a finite sequence of ones.
1: So just going into a loop forever... Is no good.
2: That's right. That w- yeah, that would be easy to do. It's harder to actually uh, print many ones and end. And then stop, yeah. So, so the productivity is just how many ones you can put in. And then there's a function that uh, measures uh, the maximum productivity of a program of a given length, that is, of a program uh, whose code includes uh, a given number of uh, symbols. hmm And that's the Busy Beaver function. So uh, if you give it uh, N as input, it delivers the productivity of the most productive basic program with N symbols in its code.
1: And that grows really, really fast, doesn't it?
2: And that grows really fast. So I I forget how it goes, but it's something like that uh, for the first, uh, for for very small inputs, it's not that big. But Mm -hmm. once you get to inputs, Five or seven or something.
1: Just that small. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. well, I, yeah, I, I may have, uh, yeah, so I normally think of it in terms of train machines, except yeah, sure. uh, and not basic. But yeah, for, uh, for pretty small inputs, you, you get truly gargantuan
1: numbers. In fact, I guess the numbers, they're only known up for a little while, aren't they?
2: That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I mean, one way of getting a sense of how big they are is to notice that. Uh, many of the numbers that we recognize as being big um, are such that one could program uh, computer and BASIC to spit them out uh, fairly concisely. Mm-hmm. So provided the n one inputs into one's busy viewer function is bigger than uh, the length of the program when we need to spit out that number. Uh, you're going to get a number bigger than that. That's so. right.
1: Last week we talked about Graham's number, which, you know, really you could write down a pretty short computer program that would, in principle, be able to spit it out. That's right. That's right.
2: So much bigger than Graham's number. <laughs> That's very frightening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what happens to me is I just lose track of how big they are. I mean, it's it's hard to get some kind of independent grasp mm-hmm. of the size of these beasts. You really can't feel
1: them at all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, occasionally you have elementary schools that will try to gather a million pennies or a million matchsticks or something. And that is really hard for most of us sure. to get hold of. And that's oh, nothing. Yeah, nothing yeah and, and that, you know, that's pales in comparison to what we're talking about.
2: That, that's right. That's right. Or geological time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just hard to understand how old the Earth is or the universe is. And as you say, it pales in comparison. This is the
0: sort of thing that, if it gets in my head right as I'm falling asleep, will keep me awake for a (laughs) few hours. That's dangerous. Because I want some sort of closure, but
1: it will not come. So what was uh, Rayo's number, if we may call it that?
2: Well, Rayo's number um, came uh, several stages later in the competition. So uh, what happened first was that we started iterating the busy beaver function. Mm. So we started considering a hierarchy oh, sure. of more and more powerful busy beaver functions. Mm-hmm. And they were more powerful because they were uh, what you would get if you have not just basic, but the result of adding an oracle to basic. So um, you basically uh, give it uh, free answers to questions of the form is number n in a certain set. And if you choose the set right, then that really increases the power of the function. So, Rayo's number was an effort to uh go beyond all that. And what it is is a version of the following. It's a version of the smallest number bigger than any number that can be stated in the language of first-order set theory using less than a Google symbols.
1: Now, let me just decode that a little bit, if I could. Yeah. So Thank you. W- why is this? Um, there's an old paradox: the smallest number that cannot be expressed in fewer than 20 words. <laughs> and I think I think I just used 11 or 12 words to describe yes. it. So there's no such number, because if there were, I just obviously described it. That's right. right. So somehow you short-circuited that. You said that it's the Small, That's the well, hang on, basically, um, it takes at least a Google's plexus, did you say?
2: Uh, Google yeah. plexus'
1: worth of symbols.
2: That's, that's right. So the smallest number bigger than any finite number named by an expression in the language of set theory with a Google symbols or less.
1: It's not the busy beaver.
2: That's right. So we, we've gone beyond programs. So now all we need is a sentence in the language of set theory and see if we can find sentences that can name bigger and bigger numbers. And the reason this can beat Busy Beaver functions is that you can state, in the language, sentences that fully describe these computer programs. And then uh, say something like, well, that plus one. Mm-hmm. So in the language, you can refer oh, to see. numbers bigger than you can compute with these, with these computer programs.
1: So it steps outside of the realm of what can even be
2: computed. That's right.
0: That's pretty heady stuff. <laughs> was there wild cheering at this point? In the oh,
2: yeah. The um, uh, the audience was uh, very rowdy throughout. <laughs> and uh, there were sev- several points in the competition in which uh, I thought I had been defeated. and
1: So you didn't have this rigged up ahead of time? You didn't know what your... Grand prize answer would be
2: well. Perhaps I should say this. To assume that would be about as absurd as assuming that a pro wrestling match would have been rigged <laughs> in <into> advance. <class. laughs> okay, point well, taken. Put. <laughs> well put. Well <laughs> put.
0: What I like about this is there is a, a combination here of yes, math, but also language, uh, and and philosophy. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a kind of a nice union here going on.
2: That's right. So the philosophy is essential because, um, given the informal statement I gave of the entry, um, it uses primitive semantic vocabulary. It talks about uh, things that can be named, and as you pointed out earlier, if one allows free use of semantic vocabulary, one quickly ends in paradox. So. What really made this possible was that we cashed out that crucial expression named uh, using what philosophers call a second-order language. So when one uses a second-order language, one has the power to explicitly define a correlate of this semantic notion using no semantic vocabulary. So we were able to get around the problem of not being able to use semantic vocabulary.
0: It's staggering. What 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 would you hope that uh, an audience member after they've they've witnessed this great competition had a lot of fun, but they're walking home and and, and they're thinking, what would you hope they're thinking about? I just hope they don't get hit by a bus.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think what I would like to, to uh, see them thinking is uh, how can I get a bigger number? <laughs> because I can I can tell you what happened to me um, it was really an adventure thinking about these things uh... i didn't really know that much about the math that's involved in thinking about big numbers and i learned a lot so several times I i thought i had come up with a number so big that i couldn't think of anything bigger and then i would read a little bit and come up with a new idea and discover something much much bigger uh, and, uh, you know, I, I I learned a lot of math.
0: Okay. <laughs> this is uh-huh. obviously getting beyond... Anything. Well put. Beyond anything. Uh, so we've gone as far as we can go. Well,
1: <laughs> you know, you'd think <laughs> infinity is the limit. Actually, by the way, this is nothing in the face of infinity. But, we, you know, it turns out that one can talk about n- infinity as an, a, a number, in a sense. hmm and uh, numbers beyond that, higher levels of infinity. So we'll be getting back to, to that in the future sometime. Rayo has some more to say about that with us. Great. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Heim. Heim Goodman-Strauss is a math professor at the University of Arkansas, a regular visitor to Sunday, Ozarks at Large.